0: What up, yo? It is February 1st, 2021. I'm Dave Rubin, this is the Rubin Report Direct Message. That's right, it is the first day of the second month of the year of healing, the year of unity. It's here, we got through January, it was a bit of a blur, had some strange things happen, you know, Capitol Hill thing, president being completely decimated from social media, lots of executive actions, new administration, California, uh, technically two days ago reopened so you can sit outside at something like 25% capacity and have a cup of coffee with a friend. It's all very exciting. We are in month two and who knows what'll happen in month two. And if you just want a little perspective as to how the world sorta goes faster and faster as time goes by. It was really in February of last year that we first started talking about COVID just a little bit. There was a tiny bit of sort of insider info dropping in in January, but there were presidential uh, debates on the Democratic side, obviously, where where nobody was talking about it. Then February, we talked about a little bit more, then March is when it all kicked in. Uh, Anyway, got a ton to catch up on with you guys. Before I do anything though, you know that Steven Crowder fella over at uh, Blaze TV? Uh, he announced this morning that he is suing Facebook. Apparently, he's got some insider info that Facebook has been messing with the numbers. He made the announcement this morning. So go to blazetv.com Crowder and see what he's up to. And you know, I've long said, you know, you have to fight big tech on many fronts. You have to fight them by building new products. That's what I'm doing with Locals.com. You have to fight them legally. That's what Crowder's doing. You have to fight them, sometimes with whatever governmental power that you have. That's what a lot of people are calling for right now, although I think you gotta be careful what you wish for, and that you just sort of do it in a holistic sense. So, you know, you just, if you were invading another country, if you were fighting a war, you'd have foot soldiers, you'd have a Navy, you have an Air Force, the whole thing, so everyone kind of fights it differently. Uh, Oh, and real quick, um, make sure that you are subscribed to our channel. I keep getting a ton of emails from people that you say you're subscribed, but you never see the videos in the feed. So click the little bell there, just click that bell, and then you can you know, sort of select whether you wanna see all our videos or some of the videos or whatever, blah, 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 blah. Oh, one other thing before we get to story number one. So as you guys know, I was in Dallas for a couple of days. It was great to to be with Glenn and, and the Blaze crew, and we shot a bunch of stuff, and they have just an absolutely incredible uh, set and studio over there. I did a, I did a little video that we posted my locals community uh, behind the scenes. They have the largest soundstage between New York and Los Angeles in the entire United States. So it's a massive, what feels like almost like a massive warehouse with just tons of sets and they're building constantly uh, and it's it's pretty awesome. And uh, maybe they'll build me a little studio there. They're trying to get me out to Dallas, although Florida keeps calling, we shall see. But the reason I mention that is because uh, one of the things that I did Uh, in the community was I posted, okay, guys, in a couple hours, I'm gonna be at this restaurant and let's do a happy hour. And about 40 real live people showed up. Yes, that's right, I got to shake hands and and there was some hugging involved. People wanna touch me, they wanna touch. There's always a touching, they wanna touch. Uh, But it was incredible. We, We had drinks with about 40 people, a bunch of people had dinner and just meeting all sorts of different people from the community and it was an interesting diverse, in the right sense of diverse, uh, crew of people, by the way, one of the girls, I can't remember her name right now, but she was super pregnant, was about to pop. I saw in the community this morning that she had a baby this morning, so congratulations to girl whose name I can't remember. I'm sorry that I can't remember your name, but if we can figure it out, maybe we'll try to get it. I just, I met a lot of people. Anyway, it was just great, seriously. It was just great meeting actual people and just being out and about and all that good stuff. All right, let's talk a little politics. Um, You know this Joe Biden fella, he's our 78-year-old president with cognitive problems that we're not allowed to talk about, who uh, said a whole bunch of stuff during the campaign, and since he's been in office, has gone completely woke, and I had been warning all my good liberal friends about this, guys, this is exactly what was gonna happen. Well, you may remember a couple moments during the campaign, where Biden was trying to show himself as sort of the more centrist, the more moderate, the guy going, oh, you know, there are some things that I'd like to do, but I can't do all of them because I'm just the president. And as the head of the executive branch, I'm just supposed to sign some things into law, but I can't write laws. That's not what the president's there to do. Well, that's what Joe Biden used to say. Let's take a look. We are a democracy some of my republican friends and some of my democratic friends even occasionally say well if you can't get the votes by executive order you're going to do something things you can't do by executive order unless you're a dictator we're a democracy we need consensus lordy lordy joe things that you can't do by executive order unless you're a dictator hmm well we've got an image here uh, this is the amount of executive actions that were signed by the previous guys. Oh, you know, guys, I don't have this in front of me right now, can we, uh, can you just read off some numbers for me? Because I can't quite see it. We just threw this image in at the last second. I think I'm gonna get handed a computer and read this to you Well, you guys are seeing it right in front of you. Well, here, as, as we're showing that to you, Joe Biden in two weeks, I know this number off the top of my head, Joe Biden in two weeks has signed 42 executive actions. Now, you just saw that video there, which is just from a couple months ago where he's talking about how, you know, unless you're a dictator, you shouldn't be doing that. Okay, now I've got the numbers in front of me. Um, Executive orders through October 13th of past presidents. Trump had 49, Obama, 26, 33, 38, Clinton, HW, 27, Reagan, 42, and Carter, 47. Uh, To be clear, that's October 13th, meaning that they got installed as the president on January 20th. And then October 13th, as many months later, Joe Biden has done 42 in basically two weeks, almost to the day. Um, look, this is the way we're sort of governed now, and it's it's a shame. Look, I believe that the president should have some leeway to sign these things, right? Our, our government is sort of locked and and just sort of stuck. And I think in some ways there's probably some goodness there. Like a government that's kind of stuck, that can't do too much. Well, it can't do too much good stuff and it can't do too much bad stuff. Now, I don't think the government as a general rule, especially in the times we live in, I don't think the government really functions to do a lot of good stuff. So the fact that it can't do a lot of good stuff and a lot of bad stuff sort of works for me. And I'm okay with the president having some leeway to, to sort of push the national dialogue in a certain way. But the idea, and we've discussed this many times, that you know you come in for four years, you do everything by executive action, you just reverse the executive actions of the guy before you if you're not in the same party. Uh, it's a very bipolar way of being governed, right? This is not how we're supposed to be governed. Again, Civics 101, the legislative branch, right? The Congress, the Senate, the House of Representatives, they're supposed to write the laws, get the laws passed. The president then signs them, the judiciary, make sure that they're legal. This this is basic stuff. And I know I repeat myself on some of this sometimes, but I think unfortunately, most people don't understand this. I really think at this point, I'd love to see some numbers on this. Maybe we can find it for another show this week. Just like what percentage of Americans understand basic civics, basic like separation of powers, the different branches of government and what they are supposed to do. There was also a really spectacular moment uh, during the debates that you guys may remember where Kamala Harris, who at one point was kind of thought of as the front runner, it's hard to remember this, but at like the first two or three debates, she was really sort of hot. People were like, oh, it's gonna be her, it's gonna be her. And she's got that cocky swagger and that evil laugh and the whole thing. And there was a moment where she was going after Biden, right? Because she had to take out Biden. He was sort of the more establishment guy. And they were asked a question about executive actions on guns. And Joe Biden said, well, no, you can't do it because it's the second amendment and you can't do everything by executive action. And she looks at Joe and she cackles with that evil laugh. And she's like, Joe, can't you say, yes, we can? (laughs) Um, And that really tells you the way she thinks, meaning, oh, you can use executive actions to supersede the constitution. Now, fortunately, the Constitution does still exist, at least for now. And you can't do that. But that shows you sort of once Biden steps down, which obviously will happen at some point, it shows you what Kamala's sort of thought process is related to all of this, and that she would use every bit of power that could she could attain. And by the way, as when I say, you know, as fortunately, the Constitution still exists, it's only it only exists if it exists in that we enforce it, right? Otherwise, it's just the words written on paper. And in many ways, we've allowed the government to just kind of do whatever they want all the time. And I think it's, it's deeply dangerous. Anyway, again, if this was a Republican, I'd be complaining. I didn't really like it when Trump did it. You can find old videos of me on TYT when I was a lefty talking about how I didn't like it. When Obama did it, and you gotta be careful what you ask for. So if this is just the way we're going to be governed and have some sort of deadlock Congress, then just every four years we'll have one country every four years, and another country every four years after that. And unfortunately, you know, this is where it's like I actually believe in Biden in Biden's heart of hearts, especially if this was five years ago and he was a little bit sharper, or if he was just advising, if he was still vice president, right? So this is now six years ago, let's say. And he was vice president and he was advising Obama. I actually believe that Biden would be talking about the constitution and would be saying at times to Obama, and I'm sure this happened, that Obama wanted to do more with executive actions. And I'm gonna guess that Biden actually stopped him from doing it. But as you guys know, the point is that Biden's not really in charge anymore. So I suspect we will, we will see more and more of this. Uh, let's move on to uh, this GameStop situation. So you all know about, the crazy GameStop situation, the hedge fund managers were gonna short GameStop, which GameStop, obviously, it's a brick and mortar video game store, obviously not doing well. And what the hedge fund guys can do, in effect, is short the stock so they can make money as the company is destroyed. Well, then the Wall Street bet guys, the the Redditors, the underbelly of the internet people, many of whom I know are watching this show right now, and that are good, interesting, just Individuals trying to have fun and make a little money and play the game and all of that stuff, as all of us have been pushed out, and and only the elites seem to be allowed to play the game. Uh, what they decided to do was start buying a ton of GameStop stock. It then crushed the hedge fund managers who were trying to short the stock because then the stock rose in price and they were trying to get it really low. And there's all sorts of hell breaking loose. And I think this is just such a fantastic story, not only because. It involves video games. And as you know, I was assistant manager of electronics boutique in Broadway Mall in Hicksville, Long Island in 1999. Moved more red Pokemon than anyone. Uh, not only that, but I do love, I love games. I don't really play much anymore. I play, I have an arcade, Miss Pac-Man in my garage. That's pretty much it at this point, And an NBA jam in there. Um, but it's also like, this is such a perfect story of like the people, the people just coordinating to like get in on the financial game, stick it to the man, like, be allowed to trade on these apps freely, this Robinhood app that was created so that people could get in on this without having money managers, without having giant hedge fund accounts, without having all of the tools that wealthy people have. By the way, you know I don't begrudge wealthy people any of these tools, but then these apps like Robinhood came around and said, hey, you can get in on this. So then what happened, these people start coordinating, they start getting in on it, sort of as a joke. I put 50 bucks in on on GameStop. I'm not sure what it's worth right now, I just did it to kind of be fun. But then, in essence, the entire machine crashes down on them. Hood the app, stops trading. Uh, then you see all sorts of like crazy people on mainstream media talking about how they're all white supremacists and a whole bunch of other stuff. So first, let's let's go to this video. This is Jimmy Kimmel. Now I don't know who, anyone who watches these shows anymore. Is anyone out there watching Jimmy Kimmel? Is anyone else? Is anyone watching Stephen Colbert like these? boring leftist, corporatist losers. Like, I can't imagine anyone watching it. I I, I can't even really imagine anyone watching Bill Maher anymore. That one, like a little bit, I suppose. But just like these giant machine mouthpieces. Well, listen to what uh, Jimmy Kimmel said about the whole uh, Wall Street, bets, Robin Hood, GameStop situation. GameStop, if you don't know, it's a video game store. And like a lot of businesses, they've been struggling because of COVID, but also, because most people buy games online now. And yet, despite a sharp decline in sales, over the past six months, their stock price has grown by 8,000%. Because a bunch of amateur investors, maybe even some Russian disruptors who are part of a Reddit community called Wall Street Bets, decided to buy a bunch of GameStop stock. God, you see the way he did that there? So he's telling you the story. He kind of got the first part right. Amateur investors, but he says it with a certain disdain. I mean, you can go back in a second and re- listen to what he says. A bunch of amateur investors, like they don't get to play the game. And Russian disruptors. Yes, yes, it was a bunch of Russians. Have we heard this story before? Guys, hold on a second. Have we heard this story before the Russians are doing it? Yes, when, when the people coordinate on Reddit, when the people decide to go against the powers that be, what happens? A corporate mouthpiece. That's all Jimmy Kimmel is. I'm sorry. I met the guy once. Seemed nice enough. We shook hands at a wedding. Okay. I've, this isn't even about him, really. But like the way he gets up there, like who wrote that? Who wrote that line? Like somebody, they coordinate somewhere, the powers that be. Like that's how these corporate shows work. Do you understand that? Like a bunch of amateur investors and Russian disruptors like he didn't he didn't put that line in there himself. but that's again, this is what the sort of blue pilling of America is. There's a reality that happens. Right, and you guys know what the reality of the GameStop situation is. I just laid it out in pretty layman's terms. Right, you don't. Have, I'm not. I don't consider myself a, like some sort of financial genius or or a, a big uh, money market manager extraordinaire. Right, like I'm giving you the one on one on this stuff, and you guys can can Google it all for yourself. But in essence, you get it. They were trying to destroy this company. The the gamers got in, started buying the stocks. They raised the price of it. Now all these hedge fund managers start losing a lot of money. So the whole system crashes down. It's like ah, it's the Russians. But it's not just the Russians, because Newsweek chimed in, and I think you're gonna understand where I'm going here. Quote, far-right activists and conspiracy theorists on the Telegram messaging service jumped on the chaos as validation of their ideologies and a potential recruiting event for disaffected users. Several tied the trading platform's actions to anti-Semitic conspiracy theories and blamed wealthy Jewish people for the decision Ah, yes. Again, you see what they do here. Once people start standing up against the machine, suddenly you're a white supremacist. You're a neo-Nazi. Now, do you think do you think that we've been through this game before? Now, obviously, there was Russia, 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 Russia. Hillary Clinton claiming that Tulsi Gabbard, remember she was a Russian asset. During the primaries. And then of course there was, you know, four years of pretending that Russia was working with Trump and, and got elected by Trump. We were allowed to do that for four years now. You can't say anything about the thing that happened, you know, a couple months back because I don't want to get deleted off the YouTube. Um, but do you see what they do? Automatically, you're called a white supremacist. And now the way they brought Telegram in on that, like they're gonna try to take out Telegram the same way they took out Parler. But I was thinking, you know, for for those of you that are somewhat new in this space, or if you're just sort of trying to right now like Catch up on like what's happened over the last couple of years. Do you know how many articles that I was in? Me, Dave Rubin. I think you guys know my political beliefs. I've got a book back there defending liberalism, which is now a conservative position, by the way. Um, I think you know I'm not a radical. I'm well, I'm a radical freedom extremist, but I'm not a I'm not a political radical in that I want anyone to be. Uh, you know, the victim of bigotry of, or of racism or of sexism or homophobia or any of those phobias. If there's phobias everywhere. Arachnophobia, I'm okay with. If you have a healthy fear of spiders, I think that's good. But the rest of it, no good. Um, do you know how many articles that I was included in, in the New York Times, in Vox, in Daily Beast, in HuffPo, in Mediate, all of these craptastic? old legacy media things, and they are legacy media things, even Buzzfeed, I would say, is a legacy media operation at this point, where I, where Jordan Peterson, where Ben Shapiro, where we were called alt-right and we were called Nazis and white supremacists and all of these things. Uh, For those of you who have read my book, I come from a family that lost Holocaust member, uh, lost family in the Holocaust on both sides. I grew up around Holocaust survivors, but, but that's, a, that's a moot point. You can still have bad uh, ideas uh, generations after something bad happens to your own people, but I don't believe in any of those things. I believe in the individual, that's what I believe. I, should, I believe you should be treated on your actions and your thoughts and nothing else, right? Um, but over the years, those of us that defended free speech those of us that defended open inquiry, those of us that said identity politics is bad, the new racism of identity politics, we were called white supremacists, we were called neo-Nazis. The New York Times, you may remember this, ran a front page Sunday cover story saying that YouTubers lead people to the alt-right with a huge picture of me. They actually put my picture on page three, giant picture and the headline beneath it was like, YouTube leading people to the alt-right and my dad goes to the bagel shop on Sunday mornings and had a friend come up with him, come to him with the New York Times in hand, say, oh, I didn't know David was a guy I know from childhood. I didn't know David, that's what they used to call me, David, before I transitioned to Dave. I didn't know David was the head of the alt-right. This is the game that these people play, and they're doing such a duplicitous and dangerous game, by the way. This has nothing to do with white supremacy. This has nothing to do with bigotry or racism or anything like that, but it's like all they have left. When the the people start saying something that is true, the machine only knows how to crack down on them and call them deplorable and all of these horrible things. And then what do you do? You further push these people to the margins of society. So I guess I'm on the margin of society with you guys, and I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. And only the good die young. Somebody said that. Um, all right, so let's go one more video that we've got here. Uh, this is the White House press secretary Jen Psaki. This girl's constantly circling back to people about things. She has no idea what she's doing up there. Kaylee has her successor is just a disaster. Kaylee, good for you. you. You done. You done good. Um, she chimed in. Jen Psaki chimed in about the Gamergate thing and what the government should maybe do. Go ahead. Thanks, Jen. I want to ask you about GameStop. Um, some lawmakers have proposed legislative reforms, like restrictions on short selling and uh, financial transactions tax, That the latter of which uh, President Biden supported during the 2020 campaign. So I want to ask you now if the White House would support actions like those to address the situation. Well, as we've noted in here several times before, but I just want to reiterate, obviously this is under the purview of the SEC in terms of um, their review and monitoring, um, but this is uh, there is an important set of policy issues uh, that have been raised as a result of market volatility in recent days, and we think congressional attention to these issues is appropriate and would welcome working with Congress moving forward as we dig into these further policy issues, but uh, I don't have anything further to predict for you other than um, we certainly uh, welcome the opportunity to work with members who have proposed ideas. Has there been any direct engagement with those members so far and what they proposed? Uh, I don't have anything to read out for you on that front. Obviously, we're engaged um, at a variety of levels every day with a range of offices on a number of issues. Um, So, but I don't have anything more for you on that. There's a lot of interesting stuff there. I mean, beyond the fact that, look, if you're you're a White House press secretary, you you know, you're just sort of laundering information to the people. That's what they all have to do. Kaylee McInerney, who I really thought was extremely good, Like, at the end of the day, like, that's what they do. They're they're the PR people for the administration. There was something interesting there because uh, she said they'd look into restrictions on short selling. Now, restrictions on short selling, the hedge fund guys have been doing this forever. They have been profiting off the destruction of companies forever. Now that the people, right, now that you and me and anyone else that wants to get in on the game has figured out a loophole, Now they're gonna look into it. So now the government's gonna get involved. And also a financial transactions tax because there's nothing the government can't figure out a way to tax. Well, if you're just a little guy in on the game and suddenly every time you make a transaction, there's a tax, well, that's gonna probably preclude you from doing more in a way when it wouldn't preclude the big guy from doing it. So the more that government gets involved and we're gonna look at it and do all this stuff. Well, government is not very good at anything, but it's, It's very clear what the government is going to do here. Mark my words, and Elizabeth Warren is all about it because she pretended she was for the people, but she's really for power. Uh, Because when you're a progressive, you like centralized power. So it doesn't matter what the issue is. Your answer is always, oh, we can fix it if you just give us enough power. And what in essence she's saying there is, oh, we're gonna look at it. It's up to the SEC. We control the SEC. We are the government. And we're gonna figure out a way so that this sort of thing doesn't happen anymore. We can't have the people figuring out a way to beat the big guys. Uh, And by the way, guys, while all of this may be depressing at some level like that now we're gonna see the system come down again and attack the people very much in a sort of coordinated way that the system can say, take out the president of the United States and make sure he can't listen to music on Spotify. Um, the, the, the silver lining to all of this, of course, is that in all of this chaos, you know what what it does? It creates fertile ground for building, right? Uh, as you know, it's what I'm doing with Locals.com. There's a lot of other interesting things happen. They can't break the human spirit and they can't quelch the human mind and human ingenuity. They can make it really freaking difficult for us. But I am a firm believer that the more they do that, the more they take that coal and crush it, that there will be a diamond there. and We gotta make sure we're the ones that are are cashing in on the diamonds, that we're the ones that are building the diamonds, actually, um, because this is what the system does. It just, it just is. Um, oh, all right, we've got one more story here. I'm a little behind it. We've got a lot going on. Uh, Brian Stelter, you know this potato-shaped guy that's on uh, CNN? He hosts a show called Reliable Sources, which uh, is the most ironically named show in the history of television. If it was called Unreliable Sources, then it would fit the network and be much more suited to his very small skill set. Um, he did a segment on how Fox News is scaring people. Let's take a look. Dishonest cries of censorship are filling Fox's airwaves with charges that these guys right here are being suppressed. The word censorship's been invoked almost 400 times on Fox this month alone and more than 300 times on Newsmax. But reducing a liar's reach is not the same as censoring freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is different than freedom of reach. And algorithmic reach is part of the problem. If Fox is going to keep transitioning into the 24-7 Tucker channel, then maybe it belongs next to Sci-Fi on your channel lineup, not MSNBC. These need to be nuanced conversations, not edicts, not orders. This is complicated, but harm reduction is possible. Harm reduction is possible by adding more news and less opinion to the content. Go with me on this for just a second. What, What do you think might be happening here? Do you think, perhaps, that this isn't about Brian Stelter wanting you to get a plethora of information or hear different points of view or really care about what's true or what's right? Or do you think that maybe, maybe Brian Stelter's doing that there segment because he doesn't like the competition? You see, guys? Uh, CNN, without Fox News, CNN would have literally nothing to talk about. Now, I understand they're talking about these dying dinosaurs as they're in the tar pits, and I'm just jumping over them because our numbers at this point are better than most of what's going on on daytime CNN and sometimes nighttime CNN. At some level, it's sort of, we got to stop talking about it, right? Like, I think maybe we're about to get that to that inflection point where talking about the mainstream media will no longer serve a purpose, but we do still have to get the blue pilled people. And by the way, I know how many of you, and myself included, by the way, have family members, have friends that are still brainwashed by this stuff. Um, but if you don't think that Fox News has a problem when it comes to censorship, that every time someone says something on Fox, that then, you know, media matters and these dingbats at CNN and the rest of them try to get all their advertisers taken away and not only get all their advertisers taken away, but then go directly to the advertisers, right? So the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell, who I've had on the show, who's now banned from Twitter, often what he would do is if there was a boycott of Tucker, he would double down on advertising, make even more money, Fox, it would all work for them. Well, now they've taken out Mike Lindell. And from last I heard, I think his pillows, someone, can you check on this? And if I've, I'm mistaken, if we can't do a live fact check, I'll check it tomorrow. But I think his pillows were even taken out of Kohl's and Bed Bath and beyond now. So we have a sort of corporate fascism happening at this very moment, and CNN is in many ways the driver of it. They want to make sure, and MSNBC wants to make sure, that it's not just us scary YouTubers, yeah, it was Coles and and Bad Bath, okay, Um, that it's not just us scary YouTubers that are taken out, but it will also be Fox, and then, and then, and then, as Emperor Palpatine said, and then we shall have peace. You see what these guys are doing, guys. So just, you know, keep your head out of the sand and uh, we're gonna have to navigate this stuff together. Oh, by the way, uh, part one of my interview with Andy No, you guys, Andy, no, and you, you know Andy Ngo. Uh He has been tracking Antifa from the beginning. And uh, I think one of the most interesting things about my conversation with him is that I've known this guy, since he was basically, since he was a kid, he was like this young college journalist who kinda was was interested in this space. And, and I've met him several times over the years and he's been tracking Antifa from the beginning. He's been subjected to violence from Antifa. I'd say he's as big of an expert on what's going on Uh, with the violence and the messaging and all of that. So we posted part one on our YouTube channel uh, this morning. The full episode is already up ad-free at rubinreport.locals.com. Oh, and we're doing a uh, spirituality and religion panel this Friday, guests uh, TBA, but we've got, uh, well, just, you know, we're gonna have some Christians, Catholics, Jews, it'll be, they're gonna walk into a bar. We'll see what happens. Uh, All right, thanks for watching, everybody. More tomorrow. Have a great Monday.